Hey, thanks for tuning in to uh, this edition of the Sower Seed Pod podcast. Wanted to uh, drop a little something on you today that came to me as a, a rather interesting revelation here just recently. Uh, part of this is going to be kind of dated, but I'd like to think that the takeaway from it is not. And um, to set the scene for you, it is currently the latter part of May in 2020. We as a nation have been dealing with a pandemic of COVID-19 and the ramifications of that. If you can remember that period of time in your life, you'll remember that, you know, for, for lack of a better description, this entire nation has been locked down for months. Uh, business has been severely impacted. A lot of people have lost their jobs. And there are a lot of people who really think that the reaction to this pandemic is a load of malarkey, um, particularly how long it has lasted. Now that the facts seem to be coming out about this particular disease and, and this particular pathogen and the effects on humanity in general. And to be honest with you, I'm one of them. Um, I have a background in emergency and uh, long-term medicine. Granted, please don't mistake this. I am not a physician. I am not a licensed nurse. I have been an EMT and I have been a certified nurse and uh, through those experiences have picked up uh, a little bit of knowledge about epidemiology, pathology, uh, virology, serology, etc., etc., but I am by no means an expert. But it is my opinion, my belief, that as many others believe that this particular uh, virus is truly no more deadly or damning than the seasonal flu, um, the numbers of uh, deaths and infections seem to be drastically lower than the flu numbers just for the same period of time, not just looking at a year versus a couple of months, but the, the exact same period of time seems to bear that out. And of course, it varies from region to region. I'm not acknowledge, or I'm not denying the fact that some areas are hit harder. And look, I also want to acknowledge outright that nobody that I know at this time has been infected, has been symptomatic, or has died from COVID-19. If that's not you, if you know somebody, if somebody close to you has been made sick, even if they recovered, you, I'm sure, spent some time worrying about whether or not they were going to make it. And I'm sure that some of you also know somebody that you've loved that didn't. I'm not saying this to belittle your experience, but to frame the context from which I'm coming. Like many others, I believe that the reaction to this pandemic has been absolutely ridiculous. Let me give you an example. The fact that many people are running around with bandanas wrapped around their nose and mouth and they seem to think that this is going to provide some sort of protection 
either to themselves or to those around them from this virus, despite the fact that quite literally any medical professional you ask is going to tell you that a bandana isn't going to do jack in terms of stopping the, the virus that may or may not be coming from or to your respiratory system. Now, I said all of that to say this. As of right now, um, today is, I believe, the 19th of May, 2020. The state of Texas in which I live has started uh, res trying to resume operation. And in so doing, uh, like many other states, have uh, eased some of the restrictions that they have suggested be in place about meeting places. For some reason, I don't know why, apparently going to the grocery store wasn't ever on that list, but things like going to church, going to school, these things were curtailed because there's too many people in one place at one time. The recommendations as we reopen our state are that places like places of worship, don't get me wrong, churches are not being called out in specific, but places where people gather, either socially or recreationally or whatnot, we're being asked to, to exercise caution and to wear face coverings and, with the exception of our immediate family, to remain six feet apart from one another. It's called social distancing. There's been a lot of brouhaha about the constitutionality of the lockdowns in general, but more specifically and to the point, how they apply to places of worship. Because the First Amendment, of course, protects our right to assemble. And more specifically, our right to worship as we see fit. Now that doesn't, in this country, that does not just apply to Christians. It applies to Muslims, Buddhists, atheists who choose not to worship, or Satanists who choose to worship in a completely different manner. This is their protection from the government locking them down. And to be blunt, it applies all the way across the board because otherwise it's not fair or equal treatment under the law. Now, that having been said, obviously my particular heart lies with the Christian church. And it seems most days that that's kind of where the, the bigger issue tends to be. Now, don't get me wrong. A lot of folks are screaming and yelling about the constitutionality of this whole thing, locking down businesses, keeping me from going to work. Millions of people have lost their jobs over this. When, in fact, the numbers simply don't support it. And in order to go back to church, you want me to wear a bandana over my nose and mouth to do what? It's nothing but virtue signaling. All it says is, I'm complying with the rules so that you feel better about being in the same place with me. Now, I've had to work Sundays for a little while now. And this, this past Sunday was the first Sunday I was able to go back to church with the, the congregation as a whole. And I'm going to be blunt. I was a little bit cheesed. I had to sit there with a bandana over my nose and mouth. My kids did as well. My bandana was rather 
restrictive in terms of airflow, which I'm sure made for a really interesting sight while I was up on the podium singing with the rest of the choir, six feet apart, of course. I was angry, I was mad. I'll stop short of saying that I felt betrayed, but to be honest with you, I'm not that far away. And all this time, by the way, I have been defending the idea on social media because we as Christians are called to submit to authority because those in power above us, the authority above us, have been placed there by God. That's what it says in Scripture. And even when the, the Pharisees and the people that wanted to see Jesus dead tried to get him caught up by, by trying to trick him into saying things that would be against the local authority, the national authority, specifically against Caesar. Should we pay taxes to Caesar? Jesus did not answer yes or no. And in fact, actually closer to yes, if there was in fact an answer. You render unto Caesar what is Caesar's. And that doesn't just apply to money, that applies to respect, it, it applies to obedience. But we as Americans, especially Texans, boy, we got a, we got a big problem with submitting when these things mess up our, our livelihoods and our freedom to worship the way we see fit. And I have to admit that I spent a great deal of time in the first service that I had been in in approximately a month and a half angry and fuming. I can't sing because I can't breathe. You know, that sharp inhale of breath gets half my bandana sucked down my throat. I'm spending half of the service making sure I adjust the stinking thing up my nose because it's slipping down, very uncomfortable. But we submit. And then something else came screaming through to me. This whole time our pastor, who I know by the way, refused to live in fear of this virus as well, is the one that ultimately uh, provided the guidance under which we would be reopening and regathering as a body of believers. And, and the way he put it was that this is how we're going to love on each other. Not everybody sees things the way I do. And admittedly, because my knowledge of the things on which I'm speaking is limited at best, there's a great deal of room there that says that I could be wrong. But this is how we as a congregation, as a body of believers, are going to love on our family. He didn't say anything about submitting. This is how we're going to love on our family. And all of a sudden, God slapped me upside the head just in an amazing way. He reminded me 
that in both Matthew and Mark, there is an account where the Pharisees have decided that they're going to test Jesus. And they asked him, and more specifically, uh, a, a teacher of the law, um, Mark refers to him as a scribe, um, Matthew refers to him as a lawyer because he studies the law. And I don't mean the law that says uh, you have to file your taxes, I mean the law that says this is the law of God. This is the law that you are supposed to be fulfilling every single day in order to be in compliance. The law that was fulfilled with Christ's appearance here on earth in the form of man. But the lawyer asked him, and this is coming from uh, Matthew chapter 22, verse 36 and following. Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? And he said to him, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments, this is verse 40, on these two commandments depend all the law and the prophets. In Mark, that wraps up with, uh, let's see, chapter 12, verses 28 through 31 is where this account is found in Mark. And the end of chapter 31 says, There is no other commandment greater than these. Now, what does that mean? Well, everybody and anybody would acknowledge that the first commandment, you know, I, I am the Lord your God, you will have no other gods before me. You will love me with your entire soul, your entire body, your entire spirit, your entire mind, your entire heart. Everything that you are is mine as your God, and you will love me. But the second commandment is just like it. It's on par with. It is only imperceptibly lower in priority than the other. You will love your neighbor as yourself. It's a commandment that you will love your neighbor. Suddenly realized that I had allowed my indignation about perceived constitutional overreach, about my concerns that the laws of man were being overrun by men. I had forgotten that the Lord God himself, the highest authority, had told me, you will love me 
And just like that, you will love your neighbor. You will love others. You will show them that you are not a threat, that they can be safe around you. Now, here's the thing, folks. Just because I know that people around me are safe, or I should say as safe as they would be if this was a flu epidemic, does not mean that they do. And I'm sure I don't have to tell you, in a small town Baptist church, a lot of folks, even to the flu, are considered high risk because they're aged or infirm, underlying health conditions. So whether or not this is as dangerous as the flu, providing a little bit of social distance is really actually showing love. because I'm taking into consideration a very real concern for my neighbor. And this realization came crashing down on me like a tidal wave. I couldn't believe how incredibly selfish I was being in my pursuit, I thought, of my free worship of God. But nothing was stopping me from worshiping him there or anywhere else. I mean, I'm not doing these podcasts from a church. That's not the only place I worship. And this is a form of ministry, a form of worship. But by taking the time to put that thing around my mouth and nose, by putting up with the fact that I couldn't breathe very well, which frankly should have just served as a lesson not to use that one. I've got others that are far more porous and <laughs> allow far more viral transmission, but again, this isn't about, at its root, it's not about my perceptions or my indignation. This is about showing love to others. Because in the final analysis, and if you go back and you look at my blogs about visitor retention and reaching out to those who are unchurched. Well, it's one of the few churches in the area that was actually reopening, even though we're using these face coverings. What if I'd had somebody else that wasn't a member of that church, somebody who, because of this whole COVID experience, has questions about God, and they're seeking those questions, or seeking answers to those questions in our church, and I'm going to be the one that basically shows them, oh, by the way, I don't care about your fears. Your fears don't mean anything to me. Well, you know what, folks? That's not how God's love works. My job is to be all things to all people because that's what I am commanded to do in terms of seeking the lost. And that means reaching out to people where they are whether it's an, a matter of sin or a matter of fear, we are to reach out to people where they are and show them the love that has been shown to us by our Creator. And I can't do that if I'm only thinking about myself and my comfort. I couldn't believe how selfish I was. Now, nothing has changed about my perception 
of how dangerous the situation is, or should I say, how dangerous it really isn't. But in order to reach out to the people for whom that is not a reality, people who do not see things the way I do in regard to this, people who don't know what I know, people who don't interpret the data the way that I do because they don't have the tools or the time or the resources, or frankly, ladies and gentlemen, simply because all of the media out there is trying their hardest to get everything whipped into a lather and a frenzy and point out that, oh, the world is coming to an end, and it might be. So why would you waste an opportunity to reach out to somebody and bring one more soul to Jesus over a bandana? Because believe me, folks, if you can bring them to the origin of peace, if you can bring them to God and they accept him and they find peace in him and a knowledge that it doesn't matter whether I die of COVID this week or a car wreck next week, it doesn't matter. And they find that peace. You've actually brought them to the reality that it doesn't matter. There's no reason to be afraid of this. And isn't that more important? That, ladies and gentlemen, is the law of God. To love Him and to love others. It might as well be one commandment. Love the Lord God and love your neighbor. One sentence. And that's going to trump the law of men, no matter how superbly crafted, no matter how based on the idea that these rights are inalienable and come from a divine creator, that all men have these rights, it doesn't matter, they were penned by men. And God's law trumps man's law every time. So the next time you're thinking about, I can't believe we're being made to do this. Just remember, this could be your opportunity to love somebody else. To carry your cross. So that others can find theirs. And in the final analysis, look, man, I survived. <laughs> I lived. I actually did, you know, despite the fact that I couldn't breathe, I actually was able to sing. But I missed out on an opportunity to worship because my mind was elsewhere. My heart was elsewhere. And that was a shame. And I'm never going to get that back. But in that moment, God spoke to me. He reminded me that this is about love. It's not about the laws of men. It's about the law of God. It's about reaching out to the lost, the scared, the lonely, and the dying. And that's what we're called to do. And if I have to wear one extra piece of cloth that I hate and I think is useless to do that, bring it. 
bring it on. This is Gordon. Thank you for joining me. God bless.